Game 33, Hanoi versus Wuhan Three Towns on the 8th of November 2023, called Standing Room Only. It's another shortened train from Longhambra. The 7.20 I had booked to see, but after arriving early and speaking to the station man, I understood I needed to get the elbows out in search of a seat. It didn't work. I showed a little naivety in the lottery of guessing the right place on the platform. In fairness, there were standers already as it glided in. I'd made my way to the middle of the carriage and tried to mentally appease myself. This would only take 52 minutes to get there. Now, I'm not sure if I've told you before, but I have bad knees. To the extent that I need a new left one and I have a cartilage tear in the right one. Walking or standing for any length of time equals pain, so I tend to lean or fidget or try to alter my considerable weight off them. We have one stop at Oxford which could present an opportunity for an emptying seat when school kids get off or people who work in Oxford are light. Otherwise, after that, Reading will just see London workers bored. Oxford arrives and people do get up and get off, but not in the close proximity to myself. So it's going to be standing room only to London. I am now going to be bumming face man for an hour, or the train movement groin thruster, and inevitably in pain. Paddington and some movement as I get off. I wander towards the Hammersmith and City line after going up a ramp. I'm now going down steps. With steps, I've developed a skip action for going down and rock from side to side like somebody you would see catching imaginary flies going upwards. All of the Hammersmith and City line underground trains I've been on are carriages which you can walk easily all the way through. I managed to sit down and contemplate the thought of the knee screamer straight that I need to walk to the studio. I think I've said before, no pain and I will walk it. Pain and you really do need to discuss it with yourself mentally. You see, you go into pain early with these knees in a day, i.e. in this case by 7.30 on the train the discomfort is considerable and bearing in mind I have within the preceding hour taken my first couple of cocodamol painkillers, there is still a lot of what people would call normal living to get through before Betty buys times. A simple thing like walking or bending or even rising from a seating position. So I opt for an Uber. It is peak time, so it's a little dearer than I would like, but I promise I will walk back. Job's done then, so I can rest if needed. Pick up done, and the Uber man feels like he's in a rush and drops me close enough. I feel, though, like I've been dragged through a hedge backwards when I sign in. Brenners tells me where to go, and I sit and start to sort my prep out and the computer pages, etc, etc. Today's game will be my fourth of five in four days. It's a punishing schedule, really, when you add in my other business, my news papa, and my podcast writing. The match is Hanoi, who have a pedigree in the AFC Champions League, against Wuhan Three Towns. Wuhan, a name synonymous all over the world with the good old Rona virus. I suppose for a person like me from Oxford, everyone's heard of Oxford, Wuhan will be pretty much famous for the world stopping. But Wuhan Three Towns? I shouldn't say this, but when I say that name, I think pizza. These two sides met in match day three at Wuhan, and Wuhan were victorious. In a way, it was a big match for both. The game is good. Wuhan, bright, inventive, and bossing their more illustrious opponents, and deservedly take the lead before the wily old campaigners start to get a foothold in the match and turn it round to win 2-1. Group J goes back into the melting pot once more. Nothing decided nor to play for for the next set of games. I stand from my booth. Well, no, I stand up while I sort of unfold myself. I'm glad to open the doors to the relative other office fresh air from my booth. Quick chat from Brennan's and sign out and sedately wander back down the knee screamer straight. 
can't really decide what to think of the day's performance, it possibly sits in the satisfactory bracket. I'm pleased to see the railway line that goes over the main road and Goldock Road tube station entrance. I know there are a few stairs, 18 actually, to negotiate, but then a seated period beckons. I take some time to look around at the surroundings. There is something about London that is both thrilling and grotty. I'm a man whose rose-coloured view of life in London comes from the films of the swinging 60s and the streets being paved with gold type of films. But what I'm seeing is large townhouse rear elevations with flats or bedsit windows with either broken or no curtains in. And I think of the desperate lives that might be left behind those curtains. It is certainly a seminal moment for somebody like myself who moans about things and I know there is always somebody worse off. But I'm not living their life, I'm living mine and with a head like a box of broken biscuits, it can be tough. Of course, London nowadays isn't all like the 60s London I talk of. There are no cheeky cockneyed characters or coppers who walk the beat and threaten to tell your parents about riding a bike with no lights and clipping your ear. In fact, it's all a little impersonable. It's all a little bit sinister. Sometimes the police on show at stations, etc. appear to be armed and saying hello to somebody is often viewed strange. On the train home, I do have a seat, but nobody talks. There's no crescendo chatter getting louder and louder when everyone's conversation would talk over everyone else's chat. Lots of people still work on the trains. A lot have their headphones in. I don't. I sit and think about bizarre things or brood over things I have said or done wrong. Why don't I listen to music? Well, I wouldn't want to submerse myself in it. It would just be an irritant to my overthinking mind. The best place for me is in the first four hours of sleep at the end of the day, as the next two or three are filled with absolutely astonishing dreams. Oh, did I ever tell you I finished a dream once? I did, honestly. But maybe that's for another day. Game 34, Toulouse versus Liverpool on the 9th of November 2023. Titled, Sometimes just turning up doesn't mean you win. It's a better time of day for me today. I even managed to do some of my own work. Yes, I know I get paid for commentaries and that is work too, but it's a life of a freelancer when you never know what is round the corner, so you need your bread and butter job, or in my case, business. But sometimes staring at problematic designs for those less able than myself can be tough to find those solutions. Whereas researching games, matches or players isn't work at all and saying what you see is easy might just apply to go on catchphrase then. I sometimes wander off a true business line and some creative thinking often goes on in my bonds instead of work. Here's a true story. When I was younger, I left a job I was good at and well thought of and branched out to work for a construction company in their small works department, where my job was to be pricing the works, winning the works and then supervising the works to a profitable conclusion. I was interviewed by a manager called by them as City. He was a nice chap and I interviewed well and I got the job. So I left my little safe haven and strode off to pastures new. Now, when I arrived on the first day, City was off on long-term sick. And the other two, who were as thick as thieves, started me at work and sorting things out. Well, it was very obvious that they didn't want me there. This is the first day as well, by the way. And as I sat at my makeshift desk late on in the day, I overheard Keith, aka Ace, and Stuart, the weasel, were chatting in the other room, stroke office, and I could hear the chat. They were sort of seriously ribbing each other, saying, well, I don't want him with me. To which the other would say, I told City we don't need him. So my first day, it was apparent the bloke who appointed me was the only one who wanted me. 
I'd gone from being well respected in one place to within eight hours of being there feeling totally unwanted. Anyway, I persevered knowing I wasn't wanted and it wasn't long before the head had gone down and I was shipped off to an office far away from them. I was given this big old oak table as a desk. It was a beautiful piece of furniture. But just as I started to bring my stuff across from the makeshift desk I was using, the nice but useless and occasionally nasty small work secretary brought in last year's war planner for me to use as a pad on the oak tabletop to stop my pens scratching it. Well, in my last job, we were supposed to have an hour for lunch, but rarely did as a good place to work, and we ate and worked on the go, and were flexible if we stopped and chatted or grabbed a coffee. Here, you took your hour, even though there wasn't a great deal to do in the area. So what started in my lunch hour was a doodle on this year planner. It started with a sketch of this head on a twisted neck. I called him Sir Gordon Twisty Neck. I would spurously pop lines out of this initial sketch, which led into other sketchy doodles and the doodle grew, and I enjoyed the form of it, and it was fun, until in my unhappy workday and loneliness, I had covered quite a bit of the year planner. I realised this, and took to turning it over so no one could see when I wasn't around. As the days continued and my mindset became darker in a job where I wasn't wanted, the doodle took a little blacker mood, until one day Stuart came in and said, it might be better if we part ways. He told me to look around for another job and we'd work out a month. I didn't blame him, because basically I'd done very little. They didn't want me, I couldn't stand it there, and the construction industry was in recession. Luckily, in the month that followed, some other idiot took me on. But on my last day, Stuart was chatting to me, and as I turned to leave, he grabbed the year planner on my desk and said, for fuck's sake, finish it, and let us all know how the drawing turns out. I only had about two inches square to fill in. I did finish it and some years later they took me back on where I had some good times. The doodle is dark and it isn't fine art, but it's okay. Maybe I will take a picture and put it on my banner and then maybe you'll understand the head full of broken biscuits phrase I use for my mind. So that story tells you that if I'm not captivated by the subject, I'm off at the classroom windows, daydreaming. The Gary Briggs studio for tonight's match was warm to say the least. It may be November, but it's warm outside as well as in. Toulouse were thumped 5-1 at Anfield by Liverpool earlier in the group stages, and Liverpool were pretty much nailed on to win tonight. Toulouse's domestic campaign was a bit of a struggle, and this was Jurgen Klopp's 450th game in charge. He made nine changes to his last lineup and included Diaz, who wanted to play after the ending of his dad's kidnapping. Liverpool opened up lightly but started to drop off a little before a mistake allowed Toulouse the lead. Surely this will be a wake-up call. No, Toulouse went further ahead in the second half before a bizarre own goal offered Liverpool a lifeline. But no lessons learned, because just two minutes later, Delinga, he has to have a name check because he put the ball in the back of the Liverpool net three times. Scored. Two were ruled out, though. Jota screamed in a second on 89 minutes before VAR caused mayhem seven minutes into time added on, ruling out an equaliser for Liverpool. Liverpool should have had enough on the park to win. No, they did have enough talent on the pitch to win. But for me, it looks as though they thought they just had to turn up to win. And then when the doo-doo and the fan came together, they couldn't right their wrongs. An interesting contest where a lesson in keeping your mind on things is key, especially when doodling. So sorry, working. Game 35. Crystal Palace versus Everton on the 11th of November 2023. Titled, Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. Any station or routes with zones 1 to 6 please? I asked the chap behind the desk at Oxford Parkway. 
2405 please. I tap the machine and the transaction's done. As I stand and wait for my ticket, I check the amount of carriages. It's five. I think to myself, should be okay for a seat. I travel into London staring out the window as it gets rammed. And as we approach London, at the HS2 works going on adjacent to the track, and wait ever patiently to see a homeowner who has, to me, obviously steadfastly refused to sell his once lovely home to HS2 and now still has a lovely home but surrounded on both sides by the aforementioned HS2 works. I smile to myself at the stand he or she is making. Too many times the little person gets worked over. I wander out of Marlebone today, wandering down the road to Baker Street as I'm a little earlier than usual, and there are a couple of beggars begging for cash. I have no cash on me and feel a little guilty, but not because I don't have any spare change for someone who looks as though they're on their uppers, but moreover because I question their begging credentials in my head. Too often we hear of professional beggars, and we always hear don't give them cash, they'll only use it for drugs. But when faced by a beggar whose eye you might catch, I fall into that terrible conundrum or mindset, so I offer a mouth sorry or a polite palm showing. How do we get taught these things and how do we know that it's right other than that's how it's always been? I once heard some highfalutin person talking about history and how in this country we taught it from our perspective and I thought they're right. Parenting is everywhere, from parents to their children, from teachers to their pupils, from the government to the over 18s. People in trusted positions can influence and sadly groom. For me, the moral fibre of society when I was young and told by my parents of teachers, doctors, clerics, policemen and judges, etc. have all in my lifetime lost their moral fibre due to indiscretions. Propaganda was a word I associated with World War II for years, but now it's called spin. And the world of being able to influence people has grown large and affected by algorithms. It still amazes me that I can look for trainers on Amazon and Facebook tries to flog me some within a couple of minutes of going on there. A latte and some fruit on London Bridge Concourse and a wee bit of people watching, including a Hindu. Young ladies out for a hen in London. All who look to have been creosoted to a burnt umber colour are wearing, well, not a lot, as Paul Daniels would say. As a group, they stood out and they were both frightening and vulnerable. But that is part of being young and not an old cynic. I view the world through very wary eyes. There is always a big police presence around the base of the Shard and today is no different. Most of the constabulary are well over six feet tall. I finish the latte and head into the office. I notice one of my regular colleagues is still missing and ask quietly where he is. He often goes off to the rider cup or rugby duties. He's not too good presently, I'm told. A little stressed and a bit down. Oh, I hope he gets better, I remark. I sit back and I think about being down and I think about him and what he might be going through as I prepare for a game that isn't stirring up my emotions within me. Today I have Roy Hodgson's Palace hosting Sean Dyche's Everton. And for my American friends, Shannon the Eagle Blythe versus Robert the Toffee Core. Everton haven't really been at the races for some seasons now. They have had a variety of managers and occasionally staved off relegation by the skin of their teeth. Under Sunny D, you know they'll be tough, but will that be enough for them? Palace have lost Zahar, and with that, they have to place their faith in Elise and Eze. And if they fail to shine, it can be a dour Palace side. Yep, I'm upbeat for this one. But how wrong can an old one be? How wrong was it to predict this being dour? This ended up in a five-goal thriller. This was a performance from an Everton side with a phrase not often heard. They worked like a team, all pulling for each other, played like a team and won. 
It just goes to show whatever you're doing as a unit, a team or a staff section, if you're all in it together, it can work. I suppose that is in all walks of life. Stick together and it works, divide and be conquered. On the train home, I text my mate who is struggling with stress and life. We exchange some texts and he thanks me for reaching out. I just simply said that I've been there, got the t-shirt and to cuddle his wife and kids is you need them as much as they need you. He signed off saying he'd see me soon, but it might take a while. Stress and feeling low is tough, and with all the talk of mental health, we all need to talk. Be a team, help each other, just like Everton did today. I got back to my team, my wife and my beagle. We had some food, and yes, we were all in it together. But then again, you would know that if you own a beagle. <laughs>